Not all the patients with status epilepticus come to the ICU. Only about 30% of these patients. Most of them recover before uh, at the hospital arrival and uh, they do not need ICU management. Fellow Homo sapiens, in this week's Epilepsy Sparks Insights podcast, we hear from Stéphane Legrim, a critical care slash ICU physician from near Paris in France, with a passion for helping people experiencing status epilepticus, which is an ongoing, very dangerous epileptic seizure. Stéphane tells us all about different types of status epilepticus and his emergency care for people who experience it. Hello, Terry. Hello, everybody. I'm very happy to be here with you. Uh, so I am a critical uh, physician. Uh, I work so in uh, an ICU, in an intensive care unit uh, for 20 years. And uh, I have a particular interest uh, uh, in uh, neurocritical care on patients with uh, epilepsy and uh, status epilepticus. So that's my main point of uh, interest in my in my job. I have a lot of points in interest, but this is the main one. And whereabouts are you based? I mean, probably can tell by your accent, but if you could just tell everybody your location and your hospital. I work in uh, Versailles Hospital. It's uh, near Paris in France. Uh, it's a public hospital. Uh, we we have a, a big area of management of patients, and uh, uh, we have an emer- emergency uh, unit, uh, a mobile unit uh, with uh, doctors going through the field to to take care of the patient who are critically ill, and uh, they bring them back to the hospital. Why did you choose to focus on status epilepticus? Oh, it's a it's a big question. Uh, it it uh, it comes from a long time ago. It was my uh, subject of uh, medical thesis, and uh, it was something appeared to me important and to the director of my thesis at that time. We worked uh, about uh, EEG uh, in the management of this patient, and uh, it appeared very important to, to take care of this uh, electroencephalographic aspect uh, during uh, the care we, we give to the patient with status epilepticus. And uh, time by time, step by step, it became uh, more important for me and uh, my understanding of the disease was uh, better and my interest uh, increased uh, similarly. And uh, now it's uh, it's uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, points of uh, interest in critical care. And just quickly to um, remind anybody or to inform people who aren't familiar with status epilepticus, what is it? Yes, it's, it's very important because uh, the definition evolved uh, uh, along the time. A uh, long time ago, status epilepticus was considered when a, a seizure couldn't stop spontaneously. This is a, a, a general definition, but it's very important. And uh, time by time, the, the definition has been pre- precise. The last definition we use, um, uh, consider two time points. Uh, there is a T1. Uh, this is the first time when we have to recognize status epilepticus and to introduce a treatment. And the T2 time, it's, it's when uh, complication may occur, when status uh, still is ongoing. So the definition of T1 and T2 depends on the type of status epilepticus. There is a classification in parallel, and uh, this classification is according is a, is an electro uh, clinical classification. So we consider status epilepticus depending on uh, if there is a 
predominant motor signs or not predominant motor sign, signs. Of the seizures. And according to, it's, it's complicated, but according to uh, if, uh, if status is with motor sign or not, on the, if, it, if it's generalized or focal, we recognize status epilepticus at different times. So, by example, in generalized convulsive status epilepticus, it's five minutes to define status epilepticus. Uh, when it's focal but uh, without consciousness impairment, it's 15 minutes. And when it's focal with uh, consciousness impairment, it's uh, 10 minutes. And another example, in absence status epilepticus, it's uh, 10 to uh, 15 minutes to be uh, identified and to introduce a treatment in emergency. Okay, that's really interesting because largely we, we are told that, you know, it's it's five minutes and that's it. And I suppose that's because the type of seizure that most people in the world are familiar with is the type of, you know, sort of generalized seizure. So that's really interesting. So it can vary between five minutes, 10 minutes and 15 minutes. Yeah, it's very important, Tori, because uh, the, the, the importance of the treatment we, we will introduce depends of that time. And some patients may, may, may have longer seizures to be tolerated before introducing this treatment and uh, it's important to respect that uh, different points. Tell us about um, the treatment that you provide for people who are experiencing status epilepticus. It's, it's very important. It's, uh, I, I make a, a parallel with uh, cardiac arrest. It's a chain uh, of uh, management. Uh, there is a, a lot of actors that can uh, act uh, for the management of the people uh, that experience status epilepticus. First, in the field, uh, caregivers, uh, uh, proxies of the patient can act. Uh, first, we have to to make uh, airways free for the patient. We have to protect him from uh, uh, from other uh, injuries, just like uh, traumatic brain injuries or ch shoulder uh, dislocation, things like this. And we have to 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 record time uh, from the first, from the beginning of the seizure to five minutes, to 10 minutes, to 15 minutes. And according to that time, you have to call emergency uh, services uh, when status epilepticus is identified. Which just shows the importance if you if somebody's observing and somebody else having a seizure, you must time it from the very first moment. Yes. And that includes timing it from the from the moment that a person might have an aura as well. That type of focal seizure is very important just to note. Yes, it's very important to note all the events that are associated with with the crisis, with the seizure. If uh, you have, uh, uh, by example, midazolam spray on the protocol, determine with your doctor when you have epilepsy and it's uh, protocolized to, to give you this treatment when you are at the time corresponding to status epilepticus, it's possible to make it at home if it's already uh, organized. Uh, if not, you have to call for the emergency services. They come to your home, they come to your office, uh, and they give you the, the good treatment. And the good treatment, the first treatment of status epilepticus is benzodiazepine. Generally Europe-wide, is it? Or generally, is that global, that is benzodiazepine is generally the, the first treatment? Everywhere in the world, it's benzodiazepine. Tell us about what it's like in, what is your work like when it comes to status epilepticus? You've given a, us a brilliant oversight of what it is and what people should generally do. But what is your work when it comes to status? I work in an ICU, so not all, all the patients, not all the patients with status epilepticus come to the ICU, only about 30% of these patients. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them recover before 
uh, at the hospital arrival and uh, they do not need ICU management. Most of the time, ICU management is required when status become refractory, refractory to first and to second lines of anticonvulsants. So not all the time, but most of the time, the patients require also mechanical ventilation uh, because they receive anesthetics to, to manage status epilepticus. And this is the work of intensivists or no critical care uh, physicians to manage patients requiring this, uh, this type of, uh, of management. So when the patient arrives in the ICU, we, uh, we use electrons, uh, EEG, electroencephalography to, to, uh, to identify if there is uh, an ongoing seizure that can be only electrical. It's very important. Oh, yeah, because sometimes it may be a non-epileptic seizure. Yes, it, it can remain uh, clinical. It can be subtle with only little uh, twitch uh, that can uh, reveal the, the ongoing status. But uh, sometimes it's only electrical, so only the EEG can identify the persistence of status epilepticus. Mm -hmm. And we give other treatment to control status. It's very important. And what is the type of treatment you will give them? We, we give anesthetics most of the time. And why, why does giving an anesthetic help? It helps because it's more powerful than uh, other treatment. It's, it's like uh, you increase the level of management. Uh, you, 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 you previously used first and second lines. Mm -hmm. So the third line is the anesthetics because it decreases uh, the, the cerebral activity. Mm -hmm and it modifies the, the, the seizure threshold. So we can adapt our treatment uh, using EEG with uh, electroencephalic goals to, 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 to block the status epilepticus. So basically making a person unconscious reduces their seizure activity. Uh, not really because they can be conscious because of status epilepticus, but this is the aim of the treatment. It you decrease the cerebral activity, so you do not allow seizure to remain, to persist. So just to clarify, if you put you put somebody under a general anesthetic, because that gen that reduces anybody's brain activity, that reduces the seizure or stops the seizure? Uh, we do both. It it stops the seizure. The, the goal is seizure suppression. But yes. most but sometimes we also do something called birth suppression. It's a it's a brain uh, state of uh, functioning that do not allow seizure to persist. Oh, okay. Yes. That's cool. We we perform a, a sort of titration of anesthetics to to obtain this uh, this goal. This tells us why it's so important for observers of a person having a seizure to time it because then you know when to potentially put them under general anesthesia. Exactly. It's very important because when we have uh, timed the, the seizure duration, we can know where we are mm -hmm. about the first, second, third line of treatment and when to act to, to do something so important that is mechanical ventilation and anesthetic use. And when you put somebody under general general anesthesia and so that they're, they're in this position, the patient, how long might they be under general anesthesia? Most of the time we do it for 12, 24 hours. Okay. But unfortunately, sometimes status uh, reoccur after withdrawal of anesthetics. 
and it's called super refractory status epilepticus and we have to do it again 24 hours and if it if it's occur we can do it for 48 hours and if it's reoccur it's very very bad condition we have some time to do it for five to seven days so wow. it can be very long it's rare it's about six percent of the patients but it's possible and this is our job to manage these patients. This has been so interesting, almost enthralling for my, my geek brain here, just to think about what, because I, I never, and I think most of listeners don't really hear about what happens in this situation. So thank you so much just for giving us a little bit of insight, Stefan. Thank you, Terry. Thanks so much to Stefan for educating us about stages of leptocytes, which is you know, a pretty much a scary topic for many clinicians, patients and carers. But it is ultra interesting too. Make sure that you tune in next week to hear about Stefan's ICTOL group, an organisation formed to improve patient outcomes when it comes to stage epilepticus. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.